Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar, and joining me this week for a very fun episode is Matt. Matt, welcome back. Yeah, glad to be here. How's it going? It's going quite well. No one's been sick in the household, and uh, you know we're here doing another episode, so that's that's always a good time. How you been? I'm doing all right. Also, no sickness, but I also don't have three little kids running around, so... <laughs> yeah school started uh in the last couple of weeks so it's it's been uh every day we're like do you have sniffles do you have a cough what's happening and yeah. just <laughs> it's nerve-wracking every day i mean i'm enjoying that certainty while i still have it <laughs> <laughs> all right well we have a very fun episode ahead of you we're gonna talk with adam rose again uh his mini series with source Source Point Press uh, Corollary wrapped up and the trade paperback is coming out. So we're going to talk with him kind of about the process of the comic coming out and just thoughts about the the comic in general. We're going to try and stay as spoiler free as possible, but this is a spoiler warning ahead of time that there, there might be some minor spoilers discussed. But overall, we're going to try and stay spoiler free. But first and foremost, we are going to take a quick ad break and hear from our friends Dan and Lou at Cats... <clears throat> We're going to take a quick ad break and hear from our friends Dan and Lou at Casting Views. We will be right back. I'm Dan. I'm Lou. And together we are Casting Views. An uncle and nephew chatting on random topics. Some heavy, some fun, but we aim to amuse. Don't miss out. Don't delay. Subscribe to Casting Views today. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor and Good Pods. And we are back. We're going to hop right into this. We are being joined by writer Adam Rose, writer of Corollary. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's it's awesome to be back with you guys. I feel like it's been such a such a journey to, you know, I just remember it was like early spring that I first saw you all. And that was that was a blast. And I really it means a lot that you asked me to come back. I, that 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 was really uh, felt that, that you made my day when you when you threw that out at me. So oh it's great, cool to be. <laughs> it is an absolute pleasure to have you back, Adam. Uh, I enjoyed this this comic immensely, and uh, I was really excited that you were like, "Yeah, let's talk more about it." Because uh, again, it, it was really fun. Thank you. And yeah. Thank you for the uh, the the review copies as well, so Matt could read them since he wasn't ordering the physical copies like a hoser. <laughs> i don't have room in my house for a bunch of no yeah it's i mean it's been a lot of fun just seeing it all, all four four issues come out you know they wrapped up uh end of july so not that long ago and it you know the process was even you know pretty interesting just may have started before that but of just getting the trade put together and there's like some cool bonus materials. Uh, so, you know, the trade officially comes out. Uh, I mean, you could tell your comic book stores today or any day you want it um, as far as a pre-order, but it comes out uh, September 28th or 29th. And the beauty of the trade too is, you know, if we don't, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds of the whole comic book publishing side of life, but uh, yeah, initially it'll just be like through diamond and distributed through comic book stores. But shortly after in October, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Barnes and Noble. 
because uh, SourcePoint, it's pretty cool. They're partnered with Simon and Schuster for their trade collections. Oh, cool. So that, you know, ho hopefully it gets it into more bookstores and all that. So, um, and then, you know, just, it was fun putting the trade together because there's some cool bonus stuff in there. This uh, local artist, um, his name's Shaheen, he did a cool uh, uh, kind of his depiction of uh, the two main characters and like a, a pinup in the back, um, as well as I, I was really psyched and honored that a um, friend of mine, uh, pro writer Adam Beechin, uh, he's done like countless DC properties, but he's really big in the animation world. Like he's uh, written like Transformers. Uh, that Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon series. He did a bunch of episodes like his, his awesome. list cartoon. Anyways, he was really cool. And he wrote this awesome intro for it. So there's a lot of fun, extra little things in there. And like source point just sent me the, the proofs of that, if that's the right word. Um, and it's, it's looking good. So, you know, I hope more, we get some new readers. I hope we get some old readers that want to see it all put together and uh, yeah, just keep talking about it and, and, and what else is coming up. Yeah. So before we, we really start diving into it, is is your dream? Obviously, we last time we talked about this, you had talked about that you would enjoy seeing this spinoff into an ongoing series. Are there other multimedia outlets that you would in, entertain the idea of bringing the, the world of Corollary into? Like, would it could you see it being adapted into a movie or TV show or anything like that? Great question. And I, I want to preface your question because I feel like I've seen this. You know, I, I'm a hardcore like comic book person since I could hold a comic book. And, you know, nowadays with social media, I read a lot of like what pros are talking about and, and pro podcasters like yourselves are debating. And oh, thanks for calling us pros. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I just want to say, like, I see one thing that comes up a lot, like, and it's and there are people on both sides of this. They say, like, if you're writing a comic with the thought that it's going to then become the next you're going to be able to then like turn that into a animated series or movie or whatever, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. I have to admit, I, I hate like taking sides in certain things because you always alienate people, but when it comes to the comic book world, I, I guess, it, but I, I kind of agree with that. Like I wrote this first and foremost as a comic and I feel like, you know, that is a form of writing that is its own thing. And you can't like, you know, you hear people say, Oh, well I have the screenplay, but it would be a great comic. It could be, but you, it's, you can't just, copy and paste that screenplay into a comic. It doesn't right. work. Um, so I guess my long-winded answer to you is yes. Uh, I think, and I thought a lot about it, but because which I, I was like, which would be more suitable? I feel like um, a mini series, like an episodic, like six to seven episode mini series for at least what this uh, collected, you know, trade crate paperback would be about that would be like yeah a mini series could it be a feature like yeah it could but i think it would be the way i just have the comic laid out is how i kind of would want to see like a, a, an animated version of it in episodic form yeah you can kind of see that the way it's set up where like they're going to the different places and like having different adventures meeting different characters you can see how that break down pretty easily into that kind of yeah yeah that's and, and for me i mean i could only see it animated i mean i you know not this is not a cgi live action kind of hybrid thing in my in my mind's eye i mean i guess nowadays with how amazing special effect technology is you could but i, I especially because of rob's art 
And I always, you know, maybe it's just unbiased, but I give him that. I equate his style to like what Bruce Tim was all about. Like, so in like Batman animated events, you know, so I, I, uh, that's how I see it. And um, that's my mind's eye for it. If it were ever to go in that direction. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Cause like, that's something that when I finally sat down and read the whole thing last week, like that was something that, you know, I had noticed it a bit when we talked about the first issue, but I kept coming back to like, this looks like the kind of style you would see maybe not exclusively Bruce Tim, but that was something that was in my mind where it's like, when he does when when he does line work as opposed to just animation, yeah. it has a very similar style. So I was like trying to think of a way to mention that. I didn't really have a question because <laughs> it's just an observation. But I'm glad you brought it up because I yeah I, I got the same thing out of that. No, and it's funny like you, you can kind of see too Rob's development. Like the characters hopefully have an arc, but I it's like the arc almost matches him becoming more and more comfortable with them in the four issues. So I think if we even did ever get the chance to continue their story, which I do have stories uh, ready to go for, but it's just at the moment, that's a frozen idea. But yeah, it just, it would be cool to see how they continue to develop visually as well as just, you know, the arc that I kind of envisioned for them. Yeah. One of my other questions was about that. Um, you know, I know you mentioned last time when we talked about the first issue that you had the idea for, you had ideas for possible continuations. And I guess I was curious because it kind of feels like, you know, the without getting too much into spoilers, this the series sets itself ends itself with sort of an extended cast, but you can also see a, a world where you just jump back into it and it's about a, a, a different set of characters. But it yeah. sounds like you have an idea with these characters, more more ideas with these characters to continue their story. Well, no, uh, both actually. It's funny you mentioned like the whole like idea of like just following other because yeah, I mean I've thought a lot about just the sandbox that this represents as far as you could follow a pair of twins where somebody's like holding. Well, you see it briefly in this, like you see like um, our uh, warden Toad. He keeps his twin in a you know padded room in a straitjacket. Right. <laughs> so like, right. people are all going to have their different ways of trying to ensure that they remain alive when they're so tied to this other person. Um, but also, like you know, like well, what I hope this series also follows is just who are you on your own? What does it mean to be just yourself, and what is your identity separate from that other person? So no, I, I mean yes, the, the final page and panel of corollary is I want it like it's kind of expanding the family and I'd love to have the chance to like follow them but I also would like kind of like to open it up to a B story uh where we do see these other brand new characters and the you know the situations and or how they interact with this you know the rule of this universe yeah which we we haven't actually discussed really the so this the premise of corollary is it's this universe where everyone is born as a twin and if one twin dies, so does the other. There's a life force connecting them, which obviously we don't dig too deeply into within this series. But that is an interesting concept that I'm sure people would love to know more about as well. With as intricate as the nerd culture has become, you got to know every detail of everything. Right. Can I remember correctly that it's not just people, though, that it's every, yes. everything is everything. Correct. Yes. Planets. Yes. 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 Exactly. The important thing is the twins. But like, uh, you know, and we, we definitely talked about this last time, but like the way all the bottles have, you know, two necks. Yes. And two spouts or whatever. That's something I remember you mentioned last time. So like, it's definitely just a world of twos. For, yeah. For whatever reason that happens. I mean, there are some 
small exceptions, but that, that's how I kind of wanted it to be. Like predominantly it is a world of twos uh, or, and be like all kind, any living being has a, a, a pair. Now that's the thing though. Like you don't have to see that pair, their other self or their, their twin at all times. And you know, that, and that, I hope I established that with like who comes like rushing to the rescue in issue four is, is people is beings that were from, you know, light years away, but they had a sense that it was that, that something they were needed again. Yeah. That's interesting how you see, you, know, you mentioned how, and it gets back to the various ways that people relate to their twins, right? Where like some people are, they're hanging out together. Toad has his guy locked up and then other characters, it's just them. And it's like, you mentioned in dialogue, oh, my twin is wherever. And then maybe we see them later in the story, maybe we don't. So like there's all different ways that these people would naturally, it's, it's the the state of the world, but that doesn't mean everyone is like joined the hip, which is interesting to to deal with it. Which I I thought that was a great immersion tool where you did have twins that weren't connected at the hip because in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking you're an adventurer. Like, why would you let your, your twin just go anywhere else besides with you. Like you, they, you would need them together. Otherwise you don't, you're living an existential crisis every day of your life. But in a world like that, everyone's used to the idea. So it's not that big of a deal, which I love that. Is that, is that that different than the real world? Really? <laughs> There's no twin out there, but there is exist. you know, we're all living in an existential crisis, aren't we? True. No. And you know, you bring up something that I would love to get to play with in the future, which I kind of alluded to here and there, but you know, just somebody, it could even be like some my super minor character just drops dead walking down the street because their twin just died somewhere else. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, it's um, dark, but yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah, I mean, that's, that's the other thing. Like in this world, you maybe you kind of have gotten used to the idea of people just dropping over dead. Like, Oh, did they just have a heart attack or did their twin die? Right. Well, you got, Flip a coin. Either way, yeah. <laughs> Six of one half of the other. <laughs> well, you know, I think that that's kind of an allegory for what's happening right now. Like, you know, like you were just talking about, like if your kid has the sniffles or whatever, now we're like immediately like, is it COVID? Like, should yep. I be COVID testing? <laughs> I mean, yep. every, every, nothing is, nothing is one thing. Well, I guess that's the truth for, for everything, but you know, there's a different, there's a multiple interpretations. Yeah. But again, the, the immersion that that creates where everyone's just kind of like, Oh, your uncle's off light years away. And we're not worried about it because that's just life in this universe. That's just life in the, yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, and, but some people do, some people jail their partner or some people, <laughs> maybe they are always, they live together and they get, they, they get upset if the other person has something unhealthy to eat or they're not exercising enough, you know, that, mm-hmm. all that kind of plays a role as well. Or they're an alcoholic or something like that can be, which, slow is like very lightly alluded to as far as our twins that we, you know, that are the focus of this. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, one takes better care of themselves and the other, or it's, it can be that one is reckless or one is a soldier of fortune. So, you know, it's, it's all possibilities. That's really interesting. Cause you know, I think, you know, I, I read all four issues, but I think this is the first time I'm really connecting those ideas where like to give away some of the premise is that it's this world of twins and it, there's one woman who everyone thinks in the, the whole world is the only one to survive her twin dying. And it turns right. out actually it's both of the twins brain sharing the body. 
And that's a runner throughout the story where one of them is maybe a little more reckless with adventuring, with the, the way they conduct themselves, what they put into the body. Um, but it's it's both of their bodies. But for whatever reason, I didn't connect that to the internal struggle in that way, to the ex- the external struggle where the same could be said if they were both in their own separate bodies. It's just, it's the same thing, but it's just one body instead. That's really interesting. Yeah. I'm having that realization on air live right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and I guess this is spoilery, but also just when the other frightening realization is they have X amount of times left where they can take turns yeah. in their last, in their one remaining body. And they're going to have to make a choice between who gets that and who's going to be their, you know, the brain of the ship. And yes, they can also jump into the various uh, Android bodies if they have them around, but it's going to be a permanent deal. And I kind of, I don't know if it, if it totally uh, click or hits, but I kind of allude to the fact that one of them is claustrophobic. Like one of them has a problem with their time, not in a body. And that's incredibly anxiety inducing. Yeah, that definitely came across. Uh, I think that happens the very first time we really discuss it, because obviously at the end of issue one, we discover how Andromeda slash Cass is are both still alive. And the the very first interaction we really see of them is uh, I believe Cass is the one that's controlling the ship at the time. Yeah. And she's talking about how she needs to stretch her legs. She needs to feel her fingers and stuff like that. And when Andromeda becomes some of the, the battle bots or the, the androids, you can, she's like, oh, these need grease. And like, I, again, filling me with a little bit of existential crisis as I'm reading this, I'm like, what would it be like to not be able to really feel like she can sense that right. there's like rust in the fingers, but there's so many like interesting psychological things that you could get into. But this also doesn't necessarily feel like maybe that kind of series. Like it feels a little more, like you said, Batman, the animated series where yes, it can take a mature turn, but it's never too far away from being exciting and fun as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the audience I hope is a pretty wide net as far as that. You're right. It's not going toward that super cerebral side of things, but the ideas are there. Yeah. Which, again, I think helps with the the immersion of the idea as well, because, again, other series might not even think about like, oh, she's a robot. She's not going to feel kind of like Mr. Robot in Doom Control or Doom Patrol. Yes. Where he has to go through that whole process of kind of relearning how to feel his body without feeling his body. No, and I'd say I'm probably I was probably uh, subconsciously inspired by him. I mean, you know, prior to like even the show, just I've always been a Doom Patrol fan. and I've always been fascinated by him. I mean brain in a robot's body like what is that like yeah. Now here yeah but for my series like it's their brain isn't literally put in a robot's body they're kind of what's the word what's the word i'm looking for um like you know not radio wave but they're kind of beamed in like their sentience can just be projected yeah you mentioned it mentions a couple times in the story that they're always technically in the ship and it's yeah. just like you know you're like connecting to like, like yeah bluetooth phone yeah, yeah bluetooth or whatever <laughs> yeah so that's that's an interesting wrinkle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, yeah, Robot Man, he's 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 in there too, but he can't feel anything. That's like even more. I don't know. And there's no opportunity for him to ever feel anything. That's he's yeah. just he's a wonderfully tragic character. 
kind of like Brendan Fraser. So yeah, <laughs> God yes, bless that man. Great. We have his upcoming movie that uh, where he's going to be uh, the whale. Yes, yeah. which uh, for from everything we've heard, which I mean, those kind of those festival movies, everything comes out like, oh, it's the greatest thing ever. But then it hits, and it's like, how was this the greatest thing ever? Yeah, yeah. But I, I from what I've heard, it's no, it's it's Brendan it. Fraser. I I I hope for the best and. He deserves anything and everything that comes his way as far as good fortune. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're kind of talking uh, influences and inspirations. Can you talk a little bit about uh, a few more inspirations that you had for this now that we've gotten to know a few more of the characters? Oh yeah. Um, I think I've always been, well, you know, it's funny, like these shorter stories in, um, in 2000 AD future shocks, like their little five page, so the non-Judge Dredd stories, those, I don't know, some of them just kind of played a role in inspiration for me, uh, combined with, uh, like, me being, like, a huge fan of the Twilight Zone and just the premises in there. Um, uh, and then, you know, a huge dash. Uh, as far as, like, the, bomba- the bombastic side of this, like, um, and again, yes, this, my audience is a, is hopefully skews younger and older, but... I, I, I'm a huge fan of Inkle, um, you know, the, the uh, Jodorowsky like, and, and the Meta Barons. I mean, those are just, I mean, those are like super adult level, like just mind blowing bonkers, both art and just European philosophical levels of concepts there. But I think they, they definitely, um, I would call, are inspir- insp- inspiring and influential for like just the kind of science fiction I gravitate towards. Yeah, and you mentioned the Twilight Zone, and you can kind of see that, like, I think there's a world where this is just a really solid, like, one-issue story that's got the twist at the end. Yep. Where, like, that's when you find out, oh, actually, yeah, it's yeah. Two, bra- two brains in a jar and one- sharing one body. <laughs> yes. But you just, it keeps going, which is good, but it's also like, oh, there's, like, you can see the world where it's, like, this big mystery, and then it turns out it's something, when you think about it, is kind of, like, macabre and a little grotesque. Not that, you know, your story is grotesque, but you know what I mean? <laughs> no, no. And that's funny you mentioned it because, I, yeah, I think the fact that I chose, I mean, I think you're right, though. There is, you know, the word grotesque, it also does have like a literary kind of definition to right. it. And I think you're hitting onto something there because, you know, I could have made this a lot like cleaner, a lot less like, you know, get your hands dirty with an actual brain, like physical transfer. You know, there's a lot of ways this could have been done where you never would have seen a brain, but I wanted that messiness to this. I wanted just like, I kind of bring it back to inspiration as I answer this, but I was also like, I'm a big Conan fan and like Thundar the Barbarian. So I, the, the idea of kind of blending fantasy with science fiction is something that this like lightly did. I mean, I know it's like 90% science fiction, but I, I, I have, I hope there's like a tinge of fantasy kind of put in there. And I think, I feel like fantasy in some, sometimes is a little uh, messier, a little more like, you know, a little more organic in some cases than certain sci-fi. I'm sure you could, I mean, there's a million holes you could poke at me saying that, <laughs> but I'm going to stay with it. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think grotesque actually does that, that, that word is accurate for um, some of what's going on with this. 
so could you talk a little bit about your writing process with this, especially when you're writing between like action scenes and expository scenes? Because with a, a universe like this, there is a lot of exposition that is needed for people to kind of comprehend what's going yeah. on. But it never feels like we're being talked down to in this, which is always a, a treat. No, no, thank you for saying that. No, I mean, the big the big thing I'm continuing to grow and learn about as a writer is, especially in, in, I mean, in comics, is, you know, it's the oldest, simplest creative writing phrase, show, don't tell. And that's so important in comics. And, you know, I really continuously went through my scripts and pared down dialogue in particular or, you know, any captions, but making sure that, like, basic important information the world building information was always there because there's so many rules to this world that if they get broken it'll take the reader out of them and that was something that was so clear to me just even from the first issue but then you know as far as the process goes and i was lucky i guess in this way because it was so collaborative with rob like yeah i wrote the whole story and i wrote the whole script for like issues one through four but when rob got his hands on issue one and he'd send me five thumbnails of like the uh, like five page the first five pages. I would like see I was like oh this didn't work or oh I I need like to add like a whole page or at least five panels of action to spell out what is missing here. So I would go back and I would rewrite and then give it back to Rob. And so there was a lot of that that helped me grow even more uh, as we did this and uh, hopefully not shortcut the series. In fact, I think it gave it the series, uh, the room it needed to breathe because, you know, obviously in plenty of circumstances, you write the script, you send it in and that's it. This was a fortunate situation where we, Rob and I had the chance to kind of, you know, work collaboratively as far as where areas where things needed to be spread out. One thing that you had mentioned was, um, taking readers out of the moment, which I, I never was actually taken out of the moment, but I did have a storytelling moment where, uh, at the beginning of issue three, when Cass shows up on uh, what is it, Modus Modus Gar, uh, yep. on his on his love resort, yep. uh, she introduces herself as Captain Cassiopeia, which uh, I was like, was is that intentional? Because wouldn't the universe know that Andromeda was the one that was still alive? So was that an intentional slip? That was an intent, yeah, because I wanted her to be. Um, she's not as not as, uh, what's the word, not as thoughtful, not as uh, organized as Andromeda. I wanted her to be loose. So yeah, she slipped and that was, you know, that was her, her you know, she, that was her, her F up, her mess up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and there's a few other like little moments that if I get the, the chance to con continue the series, we'll kind of also show like, you know, um, I, yeah, I just wanted some character flaws there. Okay, because I, I don't recall there being any kind of immediate consequence for that but it just it stood out to me that she introduced herself as cassiopeia and i was like hmm yeah no you're right and you know, i guess yeah sure in, in retrospect could i have had andromeda like call her out on that at the moment that probably would have helped that moment you're right yeah i mean i'm not again i don't mean to sound like i'm critiquing it, it just, no 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 it's something I, I'm, I'm like i get to, to talk to this guy and ask him so i'm, I'm gonna ask him. yes no no i think you're right hold on let me pull up my list real quick <laughs> <laughs> Matt's the note taker of anyone. <laughs> so uh, yeah, issue one, panel three, you have this art messed up. 
Oh, no, please hit me with what you got. <laughs> I know we mentioned this last time, and forgive me if, you know, if this is repetitive. I have the memory of a goldfish. I don't remember. <laughs> I remember it being mentioned. I don't remember what was said. Um, but, you know, the, you were talking about uh, Rob and his art earlier. And um, one of the things I noticed is the uh, sort of watercolor painterly feel to it. Yes. And like I said, I know we talked about this. How did that come about? Is that something that 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 they brought to the table, or was it your idea, or was it more well, of a collaboration? How did great how question? Did so yeah, no, Rob watercolored by hand his own painting. Oh, it's, it's actual watercolor, not just yeah. a look. For the first three three issues, then he got fried, and he had a very just honest moment. And at first, I was freaked out because he's like, "I can't, I can't do it for the fourth issue. I don't have it in me, but I can find. I have this person, Gabby Metzler." who can digitally mimic my, wa my watercolors and no one, you know, hopefully no one will see the big difference. And I think she did a great job with the fourth issue. Yep. Um, but yeah, Rob, initially he did a watercolor for the cover. Uh, and it's actually good. It's a cover you haven't seen. It's a good, it's, it was the ash can cover for uh, source point, like to get like uh, retailers interested. And it'll be in the, in the trade paperback, but he watercolored that. And then, uh, at first I was like, oh, let's watercolor certain moments to just convey like kind of an emotional, like whatever, some kind of an emotional switch. And then, you know, he, but then he tried it for the first few pages and I looked at that and I was like, no, there's something unique here. There's something I haven't seen done before. And, um, and I took it to, like I showed source point and they were like, yeah, let's, this is it. This is what's going to make it stand up on the shelves, uh, in comparison to other books. And I think, yeah, I think it did. It worked. It, it was, I mean, it was a big risk. I was nervous. I was like, well, you know, cause in my mind's eye prior to that, was I even thinking that a whole, you know, series would look like that? No, but it, it I feel like it, it hit the tone that we wanted for this. It yeah, gave it definitely. kind of this dreamy ethereal feeling, even though it was all science fiction. Yeah. And that was actually something that I was, uh, I I wanted to bring up when we first started talking about maybe translating it to other mediums uh, because that watercolor look is so unique. I could definitely see it being kind of like a unique art style unto itself, kind of like what into the spider verse created for that movie and try, trying to re not recreate that exact thing, but bringing that watercolor style to an animated series or film would just make it pop that much more with an already engaging story. Yeah, like, or have you all seen that series um, on Netflix, Arcane? It is gorgeous. And actually, I got to go to like, because uh, a, a friend of mine is an animation director person. He took me to like a screening and they had a Q&A. I didn't know this, but like the, the, the animation studio behind it, they're out of Paris. And normally before this, they did all video game related things. And like, it's so unique. Like the style of Arcane is almost like not watercolor painting, but like, uh, oil painting. It's it's the most deep and, and apparently and this might be inaccurate now, but at the time, it's the most money Netflix has sunk into an original animated series, uh, as far wow. as letting them just run wild and and it's paid off. Like it's also going to be there. It's the first Emmy winning uh, animated series for them. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it. And you don't need to know anything about uh, Dota. The, you know, the video game it's from, or no, sorry, League mm -hmm. of Legends, not Dota. I get them mixed up. 
it's you know <laughs> pe- people that see this oh well i'm not a league of legends person or like my son like he has a, I, I got him to watch it he loved it and he always tries to tell his friends to watch it and they're like oh i don't like league of legends i'm not gonna watch that <laughs> they're missing out i mean it's just it's and these are like kids that are really into anime and manga and they're missing one of the most it's also this one of the smartest shows i've seen in a long time um so yeah i guess i guess i just brought that up because that that they you know it's similar to like into the spider-verse it's got its own thing going on and it really makes it makes it pop as far as the series goes yeah i know melissa flores uh writer for the dead lucky said that arcane was a bit of an inspiration for her for that series as well yeah yeah it makes sense i hope it keeps going yeah, I'm I'm concerned about Netflix's animated series because they said the animation is one of the first things that were going with their budget cuts. Yeah, I know. I'm worried too. <laughs> uh, so one thing that did really stand out to me, especially in the last issue where we got a little bit more characters coming in, um, can you talk a little bit about the representation that you decided to bring into this world? Um, it definitely feels more like a Star Trek kind of universe where people are people, people are just accepted for who they are. And you have a couple of uh, people who show up who go by certain pronouns. There's the they, them that shows up. And uh, I, I don't believe it's a spoiler, but it seems that Andromeda is at, at least bi, if not gay. Yes. No, I, that was, I, I wanted to have that be a part of the world totally accepted, but not in your face. I mean, you know, nowadays... I mean, I understand that people, there's a, like, there's a, an impulse to really want to make sure we, we uh, representation, I think is so important. And I think in a, you know, in any cosmic universe, there's going to be all kinds of orientations and all, you know, and infinite numbers of pronouns available. So I wanted that to happen, but, and I wanted it to be, the word isn't subtle. I just wanted it to, to exist and not, you know, have to be highlighted. I, I, yeah, that was intentional. I wanted to just there, you know, Oh, okay. That character's this, that character's that, I, you know, move on, moving on. Like it's just, that's part of the world. There's nothing. I mean, could there be storylines around it? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, for this, I wanted it just to be a very casual thing. Cause I want like, you know, especially like younger readers, I, I want them to just read something that's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, no big deal. This is, you know, it is what it is. And that, that's the way it's got to be done is it, it just needs to be treated as normal. It doesn't need to be right. highlighted. It just needs to be there and treated yes. as normal. 100%. All right. So I, I teased this one a little earlier and we talked about it a little bit. The The sisters have a finite number of switches that they have left before they can't. The bodies, the brains and everything just cannot handle the switches anymore. And so there, there is a decision that has to be made where one has to remain as the, the sentience of the ship and one gets to continue living life in a, a human body. Uh, what, Without spoiling who goes where, what was the deciding factor into determining who remains in the body and who remains as the ship? Sure. Great question. And I guess I want to answer it by saying, yes, they are twins. But one of them is the big sister. <laughs> one of them has always been taking care of the other one. And I think that's true in any sibling relationship. And sometimes, you know, forget about even twins. Sometimes it's the younger sibling taking care of the older one or one or plural. So I, yeah, I wanted this to be a moment 
where we see the ultimate sacrifice. And, you know, and if I get the chance to continue this, there's going to be repercussions to that. There's going to be regret. There's going to be guilt. And uh, it's not, and, and then there's going to be like a, a, another level of obligation that's kind of layered onto this relationship and the potential for disaster as far as like having to live like that. Cause I'm, you know, I would, even though I want this to be um, action packed kind of series, I also don't, I, I wouldn't skirt away from recognizing how that might take its toll on someone. So yes, there, there is, there's a reason for who does what, and it has everything to do with which person feels more responsible for the other. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you can totally see that in the in the series. And you know, just just based on what is like there that we've already talked about, uh, you can definitely see many venues for how to continuing continue exploring that. And I'm sure some that you know I'm not the writer. <laughs> I'm sure some that I haven't even thought of. How do you how do you feel about how you know the issues have been out for a little while now? How do you feel about how how they turned out? How they've been received? Like what's what's your vibe on on the series now? Sort of sort of in the rear view. Like where are you at? Yeah, no, it's like uh, I mean, it's been a wild ride, and I you know it it took you know close to four years from the first time I started writing it to it being done. Overall, I'm super thrilled with how it all went and how it was received. Are there things that I would love to do differently? Sure. I mean, actually, one thing I would say is I wish I, I wish I even like these four issues. I wish I stretched into five. I okay. wish because I think I feel like the pacing was almost too fast a clip. Um, I think no. Am I happy with how it does come in four issues? Yes. But are there little pockets that I would have liked to kind of stretch a tiny bit? Yes. Also, I learned a lot about just you know the indie publishing. Well, I mean, I I did some work before this that came out years before, which was like definitely educational. But this, with its um, just the promoting and getting the word out and continuing, I'm still trying. You know, I'm like now that it's going to be collected, I'm actually trying to like you know hopefully get like libraries interested in it and like trying to just stretch what what the audience could look like. And you know, I, I'm I'm very happy, but I've learned a lot with the process. That's for sure. Like I've definitely, and you know, with future things that I'm, and that's the other thing, while this was all going on this summer and the spring, I've been continuously working on some new projects uh, because I feel like, you know, I guess the way I, my, my writing juices flow, I can never like pause. Like I can't do that. Yeah. I have to keep going forward. And, you know, I almost get anxious if I'm not getting the chance to move, work on, on, on new things. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. sounds like a classic um, artist. You're, you're never quite pleased with what you have. You gotta keep trying to refine it, but then if you refine it too much, then it becomes an issue as well. So sure. I, I, I think four issues was really solid with this. Uh, I would have loved to have seen five because again, I had a lot of fun with this, uh, but Matt, I interrupted. I'm sorry. I, I was just, uh, you know, just talking like, like I do, but it's interesting because, you know, sometimes the not having the time or not taking the time rather maybe to like flesh out some ideas can work really well. Like I'm a big fan of like, um, like Grant Morrison's work and a lot and a lot of their stuff. It's like, you know, much headier and more psychedelic than this, but it's like you're reading an issue and then it's like, oh, that thing could have been an entire 
yeah entire series on its own and they just like blew right past it so right, right. you know sometimes sometimes it works and i you know oh, totally. i think that there's a lot here that you're it's it's moving at a fast clip and that is in in general i think it, it works really well for the series no and i and i it means a lot to have you guys say that because i mean i did feel like i want that was kind of something i wanted i wanted it to be like just like pedal to the metal action i wanted it to not really ever have too many down moments yeah i guess but Sometimes I also just think, oh, gosh, it would have been fun to have like three or four more splash pages or even a couple double splash pages as far as like just because especially the fourth issue is like these epic battles that that's where I'm talking about. I guess maybe the other ones, that's where I would have like I wish I could have made issue four the way like Kirkman and Otley and some of their invincible issues were just literally like battle scenes. So I yeah, think right. that's what I, that's how I would have, like, it would have been awesome to have like kind of a four issue four and five mixture of epic double page, like just seeing like all, you know, all every, all the beings from all the first three issues are converging plus the new ones. So that's where I would have like, liked to stretch things out. I can just imagine Rob right now sitting in his chair, just if he's actually listening to this being like, thank God he didn't get five. <laughs> 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 oh yeah yeah no. or maybe he's like man he paid me by the page yeah. <laughs> well yeah rob's he's 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 been working hard on some new stuff well uh, I, I can't remember who's publishing but i've seen him like he's been announcing some stuff on twitter and it looks great it's more on the more on the fantasy side of things i think but um i don't, cool. I don't know if it's finished yet with talking about the the art a little bit, uh, is there a favorite Easter egg of yours in this series? Hmm. Well, okay. Um, there's one little moment at the end where you meet the parents, and it's something that I kind of it's deeply buried that would be explored later. Um, so yeah, there's something that there's an Easter egg kind of early on when we meet. Uh, meet their meet their folks hmm. i'll have to look for okay. that i'll have to go back and look for it but it's a tease you don't want to give you don't want to give too much away is that what i'm gathering what's that <laughs> you don't want to give too much away about what it is is that what i'm gathering well okay no i mean well i could it's just um i kind of allude to them uh it, it, it involves kind of what you were talking about before with like pronouns and it, it involves like one of the parents that they actually haven't always um appeared the way they appear oh okay yeah i did not yeah i did not pick up on that interesting all right yeah i'll have to go back and check on that too yeah. very so cool that's just again like back to what you all brought up earlier and what my goal was is like kind of having certain things like that be subtle and not i, I feel like maybe this was it was a little too subtle if i were to look back on it but it's there for something to explore in the future yeah very cool you mentioned some of the the projects you have coming up. Is there anything like that you want to talk about or can talk about? Yeah, well, sure. Yet? I mean, I yeah, Tidal Wave, Blue Water Productions. They do a lot of bio comics, and um, okay. they hired me. I got to write, and I I got to see the proof for it. I got to write a uh, a comic about Dave Grohl of Foo Fighters. Oh, cool, Nirvana. <laughs> so that's coming out, I believe, this November. Um, and then um, their publisher he they were pretty happy with that. So they hired me to, I got to do a one shot for their, their kind of Greek mythological 
uh, ongoing series, 10th Muse, where it's, it's, it follows um, Jason of Jason and the Argonauts. He's like trapped in, in, uh, in the underworld and Perseus as with, with his, um, with Peg, with his Pegasus, they like go down to the underworld to, to uh, break them free. Cool. Very fun. Cool. And that one is pretty cool. They like, cause the, the, that publisher likes to do a lot of homage covers to like famous DC Marvel uh, series, DC in particular. So they did like, they already showed me the cover teaser for that, which I didn't even know existed, but it was like a old Superman fights He-Man comic. So there's wow. a, they did an homage to that. And uh, yeah, so that those are coming out. And then I'm like, I'm working hard on this project with um, this artist, Magenta King. He did Jenny Zero for Dark Horse, uh, which I highly oh, recommend. Okay. Yeah, I'm somewhat familiar with that. Yeah, so yeah. He, it's pretty sweet. And um, so that's in early, early, early stages, as well as uh, another project that I guess I can't say too much about, but I'm, I'm, that's another artist uh, that's he's going to have. Some, so, yes, there's there's things going on, but the, 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 the tidal wave ones are coming out this fall. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Any I mean, it may be too early to tell, but do you think there might be more corollary on the horizon or too soon to tell? Or I hope so. But at the moment, too soon to tell. But gotcha. yeah, I hope so. And I hope to go to I hope to be at Fan Expo in San Francisco because Source Point is going to be there. It's the day, it's the weekend after Thanksgiving. Um, so I'm hoping okay. to get to, you know, sit at their, at their, at their booth, at least for a Saturday there and just get to, you know, hang out with them in person. Cause you know, they're based out of, uh, Michigan, but I'm hoping to hang with them since, um, they're going to be out here. Cool. Yeah. And then, uh, before we were recording, you were talking, we were, we were all kind of talking about how, uh, the industry is kind of leaning more towards trade paperbacks. Do you think if there is another chapter for corollary, it would be more of a trade paperback story or would it be uh, individual issues that would eventually be collected? That's a very good question. Um, geez. I think, I guess my instinct is because I'm so old school, I'd, I'd still want to see it in single issues first. But as you said, things are changing so quickly. Maybe that's, I got to get over that. <laughs> and just, it would be, yeah, a volume two. So I guess I just I didn't give you a straight answer there. Uh, I, that that's a good enough answer, I think. Uh, well, that that's an interesting question because something else you see a lot lately, like um, you've seen some high profile, like writers at like DC, for example. There was a bunch of them, bunch who departed to do their own thing on, like Substack, basically. Right. Um, maybe I don't know how um, the the publisher handles it, but is it a thing where if maybe more corollary doesn't happen through them, are you free to like take it somewhere and like publish it online or like find a new publisher? Um, you know, we don't have to get into business deals, but I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I think it's a matter that's a, it kind of involves like a statute of limitations kind of deal on the contract. So I, th yeah, I think after X period of time and also if like hypothetically, let's say I said, Hey, I want to do this. Um, I want to do it with you, but I know you're, you know, yeah. So that's, I don't have a good answer to that question. I mean, could it be done somewhere else? Yes. Would I like it to be with source point? Yeah. Cause you know, they've been really good, gotcha. good to me. So that, that would be, yeah. I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah. With, uh, <laughs> I'm just curious. Sure. Sure. <laughs> and you know, would I be opposed? Yeah. I know they have a, they have a partnership with global comics as far as digital. Um, though again, I'm so old school. I love, 
like hard copies of things. I don't know if I'd want it to just be digital. Yeah. Yeah. A few years ago, I, I, um, you know, made the decision to go all digital partially because of space reasons, sure. you know, and which ended up being fortuitous a couple of years later when I couldn't go to a comic shop every week because <laughs> I was worried about a deadly virus. Right. Turns out. But it was like one of the hardest things where it's like, ah, I just like comics, you know, and you get used to it, but it's still like uh comic. It, there's yeah. something about just holding, holding the thing in your hand, which is yeah. No, no, I, like I have a closet that's stuffed now because yeah, long boxes are kind of a problem. So I get it. I mean, I, it's something I got to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This entire shelf here is long boxes and short boxes that I have like space for one more short box. And then I don't know where I'm putting the rest of these yeah, things. That's where I'm at. It's and my wife is not, you know, she has only limited patience for this. <laughs> well, that is, that is like the, the genuine benefit. Cause it's like, Oh, you got, Oh, I have all these long boxes that I'm like, I have an iPad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a drawback. You don't have the paper. You don't have like the ink and it, you know, that, that feeling, but it is still like, well, if I'm going on a trip, I can take my entire collection. Oh, when that digital purge happens, we'll be laughing at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I did the Marvel Unlimited subscription for a few months, and that was fun. But then, yeah, I just like yesterday, I just read the latest Punisher where he's fighting Ares, the God of War. Yeah. I liked having it in my hands. So, you know, I yeah. know. but I get it. it. You know, I totally, I probably should like kind of split it more and have more digital reading. That Punisher series is good, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Did you all, are you all caught up on it? No, I also read, I do read some of that stuff in Marvel Unlimited, and they're about three months behind. Okay. So okay, then I can't. I'm not you. too precious about spoilers for stuff I don't like specifically go out and buy, but um, that is one that I might, you know, with Punisher, there's a, there's a point, you know, culturally a few years ago where I was like, do we need the Punisher anymore? I don't know. Right. And I think Marvel felt the same way because it was a couple of years before he, where he didn't have a series and now this one comes out and it's like, damn, I should have been buying this. This is good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting what they're doing with him right now. I got to say. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. That's, that's not been on my list. I've been trying to keep up with uh Nightwing and um, Corollary Radiant Black and Rogue Sun and all those. Oh yeah. Those are great. Yeah. Nightwing's been great. Yeah. Rogue Sun. Oh yeah. You named some good ones. Yeah. I, I can't get enough of the, the Tom Taylor Nightwing run right now. That, that is just fantastic. I've been doing that in trades. So I only have volume one. That's another one that I read di digitally on one of the apps too, where it's, it's, it's fun. Cause like I, you know, I, I do try and buy stuff. I really want to get day one, but I'm basically reading everything Yeah, well, <laughs> because I've got these apps and it's just, if I can wait six months, it's right. like, Hey, all right. That's a, that. No, that's a benefit. You're right. Yeah. Bruno Rodondo's covers. I like, I, I can't not have them. They're, they're just too fantastic for those, those Nightwing books. Yeah. Well, we got, we got off track from your stuff a little bit, but while we're here, <laughs> like, is there anything that you're like just digging on right now? Or like, you know, that you want, that you just want an opportunity to, to talk to somebody about that, like oh. shows you're watching. Like, we we have episodes called what you doing, where we just talk oh. about the nerd things we're doing. So Adam Rose, what you doing? I am. Well, I'm loving She-Hulk. I don't understand anyone that doesn't like it. It's like, it's, I love the comic and I love the breaking of the fourth wall. She did it before Deadpool ever did it. Um, and I feel like I hate that, you know, I, I got in like negatively influenced when like people were, 
complaining about the CGI went before it came out and called comparing her to looking like Fiona from Shrek. And, <laughs> you know, I watched the show and all right, yes, special effect wise, are there like a couple of split seconds where like, oof, that, you know, it's almost like there was a lag there or that, you know, yes, but that's true for every single thing. I mean, it's like, and I think, you know, it's such a, it's a great show. I'm really, however, I will say like now, you know, if are you all caught up on it, I am. Yes. Yep. Um, like that character that everyone's going bananas over Wong's the, the girl Madison. Oh, yeah. yeah. Madison. <laughs> You know, I feel like, all right, let's slow down on like saying, let's have like a whole Madison series and the Madison verse. <laughs> I mean, it's a fun character, but I'm not ready to crown her the newest Marvel phenom. But, <laughs> no, no. I, yeah. So I love, I love She-Hulk. And um, I actually, for me, it might be my favorite Marvel series. It's pretty good. It's pretty up there. It is funny to talk to talk about the CGI because it's like, yeah, weird that they didn't spend billions of dollars on on the lawyer sitcom show, right? <laughs> you know, weird. No, no, I think it it hits all the it hits the vibe and tone of what I like about She Hulk so much. So I'm pretty happy about that. And then you know, other than that, what like what have I? Well, I did see uh, Morpheus uh, not that long ago, and I don't <laughs> think it's as bad as everybody says it is. I mean, I think it was. Like it didn't really, it didn't even barely seem to nod that it was in a any Marvel related world. I mean, you know, as as far as a story about a scientist who gets the you know vampire bat powers on its own, it's fine. I right. I think the complaint might be that it just didn't really tie in much. Yeah, I, for me, I think it's just more that is Morbius really a character that deserves his own solo movie? Sure. Like, can he be a, a supporting character? Definitely. Can he be an antagonist or an anti-hero in a, a movie? Sure. Can he carry his own one, 90 to 120 minute movie? That's debatable. But Sony only has so many characters that they can do anything with. So they're just doing what they can. Right, right. Right. Can't watch it because he doesn't have those hand suckers from the 90s. Series. <laughs> can't, can't do it. Too I violent for you? Yeah. Well, it's so weird that that is on Netflix. Yeah, I heard that. I was like, oh, am I going to have to watch this? <laughs> yep. It's already number one on Netflix. <laughs> yep. We're going to put it in theaters a third time. <laughs> and we're going to get a Morbius too because Sony doesn't <laughs> understand the joke. No, they don't. No, they don't. It's Morbin time or something. <laughs> So yeah, no, those are, I guess those are the most recent things. And like I said, I've been trying to do the ring of power, but my found out my nine-year-old is not ready to watch that with us as a family. She can handle She-Hulk. That's like our family viewing is She-Hulk, but not ring is rings of power. It's too. I haven't seen that yet. Is it, is it? Oh, it's good. It's it's just too, too, it's too slow for my nine-year-old. Like she, she can't like the story is so complicated. And the, the yeah, first episode right. is so heavy on the world building, which I love. You know, I read, you know, I've read it all. So and I've seen it all. So for me, it's great. But no, we got to find, you know, we'll all watch Pinocchio like you know, Tom Hanks' <laughs> Geppetto. <laughs> then you got to traumatize her when all the kids turn into donkeys. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's, that, that's a rite of passage as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. So. That'll be, you know, every, it's hard, it's hard to budget in the time for the thing. Like you, you know, uh, before 
we started airing, you know, here we talked, I mean, I have to get into uh, the new game of Thrones spinoff because, um, but I can't watch that with the kids. It's, it's too yeah, much. Right. Yep. <laughs> it's whew, does, do they, in this one, it seems like they turned up the volume, like the first episode without getting explicit was body parts that I hadn't seen removed were getting removed. <laughs> yeah. It's such a weird dichotomy because uh, like we were talking about before we, we recorded Ricky, my wife and I, we were watching the boys. Like we, we finished that a few weeks ago and there there's like so much just blatant violence and grotesqueness in that show. But there's a, a shot very early on in episode one of the new yep. game of Thrones where someone takes an ax to the face. And for whatever reason, I've seen a guy get completely just exploded from the inside in the boys, but that, axe to the face i was like uh oh uh, i i might need a bag for that one yeah yeah no you're right i think you know there's it's uh they're i think they're going they want us to be that shocked they're just trying to think of new ways to, to continue that especially it's all you know the, i've watched the first episode and a half it seems like they're also trying a little too hard to make sure they keep that r-rated level of sex scenes going yeah i mean i don't <laughs> I don't need, you know, it's HBO. It's a, it's a staple for HBO. True. But have you all seen that old, uh, well, old, cause it was during the original game of Thrones, the Andy Sandberg, like mockumentary, like it was like a behind the scenes of game of Thrones for SNL. I had not. Oh, it's amazing. I, I, I got it. It's they basically, I'll add they it to the episode like, description. <laughs> they have like the real ep, They have the real cast members, like, like the Jon Snow actor and other people mixed with like SNL people. And then they, the whole, payoff is they're all talking about one of the advisors for the show like oh yeah billy's been great for for game of thrones we really need billy you know it's just sometimes billy goes a little too far and then it's like andy sandberg is billy and he's a 10 year old and he's, <laughs> he just, he, he's like well what i think you know he's a 13 year old he's like this scene works but we need more people doing it <laughs> yeah you, yeah i was gonna say that's a thing you see a, saw a lot in game of thrones where a scene would it's an expository scene that's just them saying, oh, this is what's happening in the story, but it has to open with them just going at it yes. because it's like, this seems too boring unless somebody's getting, you know, their head yeah, chopped you know, off. Or... For Game of Thrones, I was, I guess because it was new to me, I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is shocking. But now, I guess with this new series, and maybe that's just the fault of being a follow-up, it's like, sometimes I'm like, that's totally not necessary. Right. <laughs> No, I, I hear you. I, I, I'm not one for gratuitous sex scenes. Uh, and I believe the Game of Thrones fan base was the one that coined the phrase sex position for that show. <laughs> oh, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. So, no, I mean, I'll, I'm, I'll, well, I guess the last thing I'll bring up as far as things I'm really into is I, you know, I'm, I'm not totally caught up, but two animated series that I love um, Harley Quinn. Yeah, and primordial, uh, a primal. Oh, I've heard great things about that, but I've not gotten around to it yet. If you like Samurai Jack? You have to watch Primal. It's a, uh, it's the same guy, right? Same guy. Yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll butcher his name, so I'm not even going to pretend to say it. Right That's now. why I said the same it's guy. Same, the same <laughs> guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm going to avoid that. <laughs> no, you have. Oh, pri- it's on HBO. It's excellent. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, all right, I'll I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I'll have to add that to the list as well. Uh, Harley that, Quinn is really great though. Like, you know, when that, when they were, they were promoting that show 2019, 2020, whatever, 
I was like, there's no way that's going to be good. And I'm like, it, it fucking rules. Yes. <laughs> it's, great. it's a lot yes. of fun. Yes. Yeah, no, there, there's one episode this season with where the Joker becomes the mayor, which sorry, spoiler alert, uh, that I, I did not care for that. That episode, I just felt like was treading a lot of water. Right. Uh, but everything else around that episode, the last two episodes and everything beforehand was really fun and really good. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you on that. And I know they got picked up for another season. Yeah. Which was really good to hear, especially after like everything happened on HBO. Yes. It was like, well, all right. It's basically like anything that might be even kind of niche was like, all right, this is, this is going to be over. Soon. Yeah. 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 This did, this made the cut. Thank goodness. So yeah, those are the, those are the last two I'd highly recommend. Uh, well, I had a Star Trek related question for you, Adam, just to kind of appease Matt, but I don't know if it really fits anymore, <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll throw it, in, I'll throw it in there anyway. Uh, so the, going back to corollary to kind of put a capper on all of this without getting into the spoilers of the resolution, there is a war duke that we meet that is kind of the uh, the sparking point to kick off this adventure. And the resolution did feel very Star Trek to me where it wasn't necessarily uh, like a Disney ending where the villain kind of does themselves in or a Marvel ending where the, the hero deals the final blow. It was very Star Trek where it felt very amicable and. I'm not quite sure what the the other word I I was thinking of would be, but just it, you have a decisive winner, but both parties leave on decent terms. Yeah, no. So it felt very Star Trek to me. So I was wondering what the inspiration was for that. Well, no, actually, I guess, you know, you're bringing me to that. Those Star Trek is been a huge part of my life. I mean, next generation, I guess maybe was like bigger than anything, but uh, the original series, Deep Space Nine, everything. And actually, I guess the other thing I would say, I did, I've dabbled in Paramount Plus and I've been watching like Discovery. I watched the first two seasons of that. And then I've started, uh, what's the new one? Generations? Or, uh, Strange New Worlds is the Strange newest New World. One. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Started that, you know, great stuff. And so I'm, I'm a Trekkie through and through. And I think, yes, that was there for me because I think even when I was writing that scene, like we were just in the height of like just where's the beginning maybe of the pandemic plus um just the nightmare of uh the world of politics we were living in and everything i don't know i think something seeped into me where i was like you know what i want there to be like a peaceful resolution i (laughs) I want these characters to say or one of them to say i enough like all right i'm you know it's over it's over let's just let's just let's end it here without any more bloodshed so yeah i think all that combined it was it was something that had a star trek intentionally so uh feel to it that makes matt very happy i'm sure i think about things other than star trek you know i I have my Riker uniform that i my kids won't let me wear for uh halloween anymore because i've done it too many years in a row (laughs) i i have a Former coworker now, but um, good friend who every year on Halloween would wear like a like a TNG era like blue uniform. And when he when I first met him it was before I was really into Star Trek, and I was like, "That's kind of dorky, man." And now I'm like, "That's cool as hell." Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, that's... somebody or maybe I, it shrunk, but I used to have like a just a blue uh, like McCoy T-shirt with just the emblem yeah. here. I loved it, but yeah, I got to re-up that, I guess. 
No, I, I think Star Trek is just the best stuff ever. Um, yeah, I was watching Deep Space Nine in the background at work today. Don't listen, <laughs> don't listen boss. Don't listen. <laughs> I've, you know, I guess the only series that I did not see all the way through was Enterprise. Yeah, I, I, I buy that. Um, I will say uh, that Enterprise is one of those series that like gets really good after everyone like wrote it off. Okay. Really good is maybe pushing it, but like its best stuff is like near the end before they get canceled because nobody's watching it anymore. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess if you're a big Trek person, are you are you all familiar with the Expanse? I've seen maybe the first season and a half, and I kind of fell off it, not out of lack of interest, but I just get distracted by shiny either shiny things or that was another one where I was like in the beginning early of the pandemic, I was like, oh, I've got time, I should finally watch this, and then I ended up being like. While I'm depressed, I'm just going to watch TNG over and over again. So yeah. Like, well, yeah, the expanse yeah. is bleaker by a by a mile. Yeah. So yeah, I get that. So I definitely it's one one that I'm like oh, I got to get back to it, but I just you know I'm whenever I have like a whole show in front of me, I'm like this is why I love watching shows week to week because I'm like oh I've got four seasons ahead of me and then I'll get a half a season in and then like oh something else came out <laughs> I'll go watch that and it's like I hear oh, you shit. no no I get overwhelmed too I, I I couldn't agree more like I'm I'm uh, one of the last Breaking Bad fans that haven't watched Better Call Saul oh it's so good I know I keep hearing <laughs> that I gotta just do it I gotta do it speaking of Trek the only Star Trek thing I'm I'm actually familiar with is uh. Lower decks. Have you given lower decks yes. on Paramount Plus a chance? It's okay. Funny. Yes, I like it's that. real good, and it's so baffling to me that that that's the show that you're like, okay, I'll watch it. The the show that's like, you know, it's it's fine on its own, but it's also like there were this most recent episode is like, oh, there's like three or four deep cut jokes that oh wow <laughs> make no sense if you don't haven't seen these episodes a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, Rick and Morty. I did watch the newest the first episode of the newest season. And I loved it. I love Rick and Morty. Love. love yeah. Them. I haven't seen that episode yet, but I like, I like the show a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I burned through them too quickly. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. That was a great chat, Adam. Thank you so much for, for just sitting down and talking with us and talking corollary and, all this nerd stuff and basically giving us a what you do in part three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, thanks, no, thank you guys for having me again. It was great. Definitely. And Matt, thank you as always for uh, taking the time to be on. Yeah. Always happy to be here. Adam, would you like to share any of your socials? Oh, sure. Uh, Twitter uh, is at Adam Rose 74 and uh, Instagram at Shazam cap. And that's, that's it. Matt, you still have a protected profile, so we're just going to kind of let you. you can't, yeah, you can't find me. <laughs> His shields are and... up. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Josh underscore Scar. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at T or nope. I, I, ah, I had a good streak going. <laughs> You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Talking Smack Pod. You can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com. You can join our Discord. That's in our link tree description. Uh, you can, we have merch. You can uh, buy mugs, pride mugs, uh, stickers, drinking glasses. Again, for the pride mug, for every 20 we sell, we will donate $100 to the Adam, the Trevor Project. The Adam Project is a Netflix show. Yeah, not to Adam Rose. I, am, <laughs> I want to drink thrown, I am, I am all thrown off now. I'm over here like, we have a Discord? <laughs> Yeah, Alex runs that one. I, I don't really use it that often, but Alex suggested we get one. 
Um, so let's hear, please like subscribe, review, leave us comments, follow us on your favorite podcast player of choice. And that's really it. Uh, I apologize for flubbing this outro again. One of these days you're going to learn that you can edit this stuff out. (laughs) (laughs) One of these days I'm going to learn that I can just actually like take the time and record it and then just paste it in every time. Oh yeah, that's true. That that saved me so much time, but I I like flubbing it because (laughs) it just, uh, it adds to the runtime and people get annoyed. But Adam, thank you again for, for being here as as always, it's so much fun to have you on. We'll definitely invite you on whenever you are able and any projects you have, we will work with you and uh, see what we can't get for people to talk about it. Yeah, I'm making time. Matt, thank you again. And everyone listening, again, I apologize for this outro and take care. <laughs> it's still going. Yeah. I still feel it. <laughs>